Warning, Donald Trump is our president. And this podcast is pretty unbelievable, too. Are you all right? No, I'm not all right. I've got to stay sober for two weeks. I'm not going to make... <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the ninth episode of A Real Treat. If you're scared of driving, then you're scared of me, because I am your host, Charlie Rhodes. And if you are gay and scared of titties, then you're definitely not going to like my co-host, Dalton Titshaw. <laughs> Fear me. How are we doing today, Dalton? It my is, friend. It's good to be back, as always. Doing great. In the last episode, we discussed how we were going to watch the weird, weird fucking movie called Barton Fink. Weird is an understatement in this tale, my friend. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> is. Uh, as I mentioned probably before, I have seen this movie only one time. Well, like six years ago? Yeah, it, it's been a long, long time. Dalton, you have never seen this, correct? No, I have not, and I still feel like I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, man. Uh, do, do you have any, any thoughts or uh, things you want to say about I Martin do. Fink? I do. I typed out some notes, and I'm going to go off of those, okay, my friend? All right. All right. So this movie, A Barton, F- uh, Bar- a Barton Fink. No, a Barton Fink. It's not Bart and Fink, by the way, people. It's Barton Fink. Like Barton. B- yes, B- Barton. It's one man. It's about John Torturo, a beautiful young Ambrose Monk. If anybody knows the Monk series, he his Monk's brother. Uh, and uh, anyway... I am so glad that he had his own movie. Yes. He deserves to be the star. Even though, in my opinion, my humble opinion, he is often the star in any television show and movie that he does because he often steals the scene. It's interesting. This movie, in this, in this, in this movie, it's interesting how he doesn't want the critics' love. He wants to stand up for the common man and just be great. No, no, no. Excellent at his craft. Mm-hmm. I liked that. And uh, I felt like it had something to say about it. I just don't think that it fully executed on it, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But the dude had a briefcase that was solely dedicated to his typewriter. And holy shit, how long were those space bars? Dude, that am space I right? bar was almost as big as my dick. Dude. I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, that that is talking about some big shit right there. <laughs> but it, it basically took up the whole alphabet, which right. is which, is, which was did. your line, not mine. I know, it did. But I had to, I had to put it in there. It, it was longer than A to, uh, what is it? M? Z. Well, no, no, Z's over on the left. A to so, M on, on the, on wait, the no, actual What's on the keyboard? far right? The question mark? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, on the QWERTY? There you go. Yeah. Eight a question mark. Eight a question mark. Eight a question mark. Was. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I felt about this movie, actually. It went from A to question mark? Yeah, for real. <laughs> right? I, I, no, I mean, I couldn't agree more because I, I literally, like, the first half of this movie is like, okay, where is this going? And then the second half of the movie is like, okay, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right, but uh, yes, and we'll get to that. But I do want to mention that John Goodman has a fantastic <sighs> intro. Like like his intro to this movie, it's like, whoa, holy shit. All of a sudden things are happening. John Goodman comes into his room and it's just like it's just this bombastic nature of these two people. And John Turturro and John Goodman have such fantastic chemistry that it was it made me just want to love the movie off the bat. And and, and not to not to, you know, uh, step on any toes, but I, I seriously think this might be John Goodman's best role 
at least one of best them. performance best performance that's what yes, i mean I, yes. like yeah the role was confusing so as <laughs> yes. everything in this movie but yes his performance was phenomenal and holy shit tony shalhoub yes. shows up as the producer and like i like i couldn't believe that both of the monk brothers anybody out there who hasn't seen monk is not going to know what i'm talking about but anybody who does or uh, excuse me who has seen the monk series that's eight seasons long is gonna understand what I'm talking about because when um, when Ambrose Monk comes in, it's John Turturro and he's Monk's brother, and it's just so crazy that these two acted in a movie together like 15, 15 years, before. years before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was this came out in 1991. Yeah, 1991 exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, so, it, and 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 I think it's like the third or fourth Coen Brothers movie. So you right there, you know, it's it, right. You're in for a real treat. What other movies have the Coen Brothers made? Well, other than Barton Fink, you got uh, you got Fargo, Big Lebowski, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, uh, you got No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading, uh, the the list goes on. I mean, wait, they did No Country for Old Men? That yeah. was the Coen Brothers? Yeah. Wow, that's a great movie. Javier Bardem. They're great directors. Tommy Lee Jones. They Both are. of them. Joel and Ethan. I, I I feel like Joel gets more credit for directing, and yeah. Ethan gets more credit for producing. Yeah, they, but they like they switch off though. Yeah, they, they yeah like, they do. Of, they yeah. they're, they're a team, man. They're brothers. Yeah. Dude, that's are brothers. Awesome, they're brothers. <laughs> brothers in arms. So right away, you know, it's it's the Coen Brothers. You know, you're gonna love it because they make they make good shit. And they make weird shit. They definitely do. They definitely do. I, have you seen Miller's Crossing? I don't want to no, get into it. But, no, 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 I haven't. Uh, I believe this came out either right after or right before Barton Fink. I just didn't even understand it, man. Like it <laughs> just was like Barton and Fink. It was, but but it was also boring. This one at least fucking captivates you. Okay, so we just went from praising the Coen Brothers to saying, yeah, they make boring ass Don't films. watch <laughs> Miller's Crossing. That's all I'm saying. Other than Definitely that... Definitely watch No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. And Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? What genre would No Country for Old Men fall under? Uh, it's like drama, drama, and I know it's uh, I know it's based on a book. Like Westerns? Um, maybe? Oh, okay. So book adaptation. Drama, maybe mystery? I don't know. Hmm. We will find thriller. out. It's going to be on our list for sure because it's, it's such on a good movie. one of my lists for sure. But you know, anyway, what are we talking about here in this episode, my friend? So if you haven't or if you didn't listen to the last episode, we are going to be talking about our top ten thrillers. Ooh, yeah, which I thought was very fitting uh, to start with Barton Fink. Yeah, and no, I understand. It's a thriller slash comedy slash drama slash what the fuck. <laughs> so we should have a what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, we should have a what the fuck list. Uh, yeah, list. Yeah, top ten what the fuck. But anyway, number regardless. one, Barton Fink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thrillers, you right? Yeah, yeah. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Let's go. All right. So Dalton, before I let you start with the top ten thrillers, I just wanted to uh, throw in one honorable mention that I had. It was it was actually originally in my top ten, and then I came across a movie on uh i think it was hulu uh that i had forgotten all about so that okay went into my list and kicked this one out but i just want to talk about it just for a quick second go ahead um it's it's most people probably haven't even heard of this movie let alone seen it but uh it's it's firewall it came out in 2006 oh, yeah. Um, yeah we've talked uh, about this before and uh han solo yeah harrison ford, harrison ford this. Thank yeah you. this was directed uh by richard long crane this came out in 2006 it's got harrison ford virginia madsen paul bettany who's great uh, Robert Forster, Alan Arkin, uh, Robert Patrick, many, many others. Um, 
But uh, I actually happened to see this movie in theaters with my dad when it came out, and I loved it, uh, despite you know not getting very good reviews. And it actually only scored a five point eight on IMDb. So really, yeah, it's I I, I think I I think the movie's badass. I think it should be way higher. Um, but basically, it's about if you haven't seen it, it's about Harrison Ford who plays a security specialist named Jack, and he is forced to rob the bank that he works for because his family is being held hostage. And the people holding the family hostage have been watching this family for months and have set up uh, a lot of different reasons for Jack to rob this bank, like setting up $95,000 in fake uh, fake online gambling debts and shit like that. Uh, I will admit that this movie can be a little slow at times. Um, and it, you know, it makes you wonder what the hell is even happening. But at the end, it all comes together with some like seriously awesome action scenes, and uh, I, I just had to mention it because it, it is worth a watch. So if you haven't seen Firewall and you got some time, check it out. Okay, I feel you, man. I, I have seen it. I saw it a long time ago, so I don't remember it, but I do remember enjoying it. So yeah, kind of a bummer that it doesn't have a higher score. Yeah, I, I, mean, I definitely thought it was more than a five point eight, maybe a six point eight. But Firewall. Firewall. <laughs> anyway, go ahead with your uh, number ten for. Thrillers. Okay, so my number 10 uh, is a movie that we have mentioned before and I had seen before and the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. But then I saw it again this year and I really liked it, uh, I guess because I'm older, more mature, and I can appreciate the acting and the story in itself. More mature. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, just, yeah, I got some some uh, experience under my belt nowadays. It is uh, Prisoners. Okay. I've, I've not seen this. Actually, wow, I don't really? think I. I think I peeked at your list earlier. I don't think I've seen a single one of your movies. I've, well, we'll I've heard out. of a lot of them, and I want right. to see a lot of them, but I haven't seen any of yours. So okay, so I can't so, wait to hear what you got to say. Uh, so, Prisoners. It came out in 2013, and it was directed by Denny Villeneuve. Vu Denny Villeneuve. Something Villanueva. Like, something like Villanueva. That. Yeah, yeah. So, apologies for butchering his last name, but uh, it stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Hugh Jackman, Terrence Howard, Maria Bello, and also Paul Dano. And this movie is essentially about Hugh Jackman. So Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard's characters, they both have their daughters uh, go missing in a small Pennsylvania town. And this movie shows the lengths that a father will go to in order to find his missing child. And Jake Gyllenhaal plays the detective on the case. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. He was in my top 10 favorite actors. So, you know, anything that he's in, I'm, I'm most likely going to enjoy. Uh, he does a fantastic job, as always. But for me, it, it was about Hugh Jackman. We see him as the father just getting increasingly more desperate as time goes on without his daughter being found until he just ultimately decides to take matters into his own hands. Mm. It's a moving film, man, with quite a unique ending. Uh, that I just found to be damn near perfect uh, the second time I watched it. Fun fact about it, the gorgeous Maria Bello, who uh, plays the wife of Hugh Jackman's character, mm. she actually wore a gray wig and f a foam rubber posterior to <laughs> essentially ground her character, basically bringing her incredible sex appeal down in order to portray her as an ordinary and distraught you know, house housewife. Right. And lastly, us being in Georgia, I wanted to mention this. Uh, once filming was completed, the costume and the prop departments donated all of the clothing and all of the props to Fodak Thrift Store in Tucker, Georgia. Really? Mm -hmm. That's right, right down the street. Yeah, about I know. Minutes away from pretty us. dope, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, uh, I mean, it, it's, I guarantee it's a good movie because it's got such a good cast. But also, what you said, I mean, that kind of reminds me of Firewall. Like, 
what uh, the you know the measures that a father will take to to save his family. Right, you know? exactly. Which is exactly what happens in Firewall. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to check that out. Prisoners. Yes, prisoners. I'm have to check that it's out. a it's a dark one, man. It's a dark one. It's not easy to get through, but it's worth it for the performances and also just the story in itself. Like just seriously, just seeing what 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 happens uh, to a family, uh, you know, because because like Hugh Jackman goes on this tear trying to find his daughter, mm-hmm. and instead Maria Bello, his wife, is is more just like broken down and she's just taking like she's popping xanaxes and just like sleeping through the day just she can't handle it and just to see how they they you know how they have their own separate ways of dealing with it right it was very interesting cool anything else no i said number number 10 prisoners okay number 10 for me uh, this is the one that replaced firewall Uh, (laughs) okay this is a, a movie called hard candy I don't know if you've Dude, seen that. Dude, I've heard all about it. Um, ex-girlfriend told me to watch it when I was doing research for this. I was watching some YouTube videos just to like get a, uh, just to remember, like understand what people thought thriller movies were. And right. Hard Candy was on one of those videos. Yeah, it's about like a guy who it's who like lures kids into. This oh, I'll candy. tell you what it's okay. about. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you saw it. I didn't. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. This actually the, it was the second time I'd seen it. I forgot all about it, and I think and one of my ex girlfriends years ago showed showed me this movie. Oh. Um, Shout out to all the ex-girlfriends out there. Yeah, I know, right? But Hard Candy came out in 2005, and it was directed by David Slade, who also directed one of our favorites, 30 Days of Night. Oh, cool. Which is, okay. which is cool. But no, seriously, though, this movie takes balls to watch, okay? It's it's a very well-done film about a 14-year-old girl who uh, talks to an older man online and agrees to meet him in person, only she came prepared. Like, she, she knew exactly the type of disgusting man that he is, and like she knew that he was a pedophile, and so she went there to take action. So this is what she does: she she drugs him, she ties him up, she finds his kitty porn stash, she threatens to tell the police and his ex girlfriend everything. Um, she even threatens and pretends to castrate him, which is why. Wait, wait, I, what do you mean pretends though? Oh well, I'll get there. Uh, okay, I'll get there. Okay. But that was that's why I started with it takes balls to watch this because uh, oh, she, gotcha, she okay. pretends to castrate him. Um, like she actually makes him believe that she cut his balls off because she numbs him down uh, there. Okay, numb, yeah. And then uh, makes him watch a little video that it was actually a uh, she popped in like a medical videotape of a patient somewhere in the world getting castrated. Um, then she like throws fake blood all over his junk and uh, has smart. like two like fake testicles covered in blood each in a shot glass. She then throws them down the garbage disposal and turns it on. Um, and she lets him escape, only to knock him out with a taser. And at the very end of the movie, she gives him a, to- a-, a choice. She either has to commit suicide or everyone finds out the terrible things that he's done. Um, I-, I definitely... Don't tell me what happens. No, <laughs> I-, I-, I know, right? I, I definitely enjoyed watching the uh, young girl um, who was played by Ellen Page... Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, she she gets some justice done to the disgusting type of people like the pedophile that Patrick Wilson portrays. Oh, Patrick Wilson's the pedophile? Yeah, he's great. I remember my ex telling you this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love him. And I mean, uh, e- even more so, what I really like about this movie is it's one of those movies where those two characters are pretty much the only characters in the movie. Um, it also has uh, Sandra Oh, but uh, mm, yeah. she, she comes in, she has like a three-minute scene, and then in, like, the very beginning of the movie, there's, like, a clerk at a shop that has, like, maybe two lines. But that's it. The rest of the movie is just those two, um, uh, Ellen Page 
and Patrick Wilson. And I love movies like that. You know, like Castaway, where Tom Hanks is just yeah, he, like he is the cast. Um, but great, great movie. Um, acting was phenomenal. Definitely a great thriller. Hard Candy starts off my top ten. What a great way to start off your top ten. Let's move on to my number nine, which is Nocturnal Animals. Okay. And Never I heard of it. Assume, you, you haven't even heard of it. Mm-mm. Oh wow, man, this was a good one. Came back uh, just recently, 2016. Uh, directed by Tom Ford. Like Tom Ford. Have you ever heard of Tom Ford? Like like the clothing label. Okay. It, that's the guy who directs this. Uh, it's actually his second movie that he directed. It stars Amy Adams, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Shannon, Isla Fisher, and Ayler, uh, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. You really like Jake Gyllenhaal, don't you? Dude, he's in. Uh, he was in my number ten. He's in my number nine, and he will be in my number eight. So you know what? <laughs> Just he likes. He makes good thrillers. What, what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also, it, you know, if there's something that he's in, I'm more than likely gonna like it. Uh, this thriller, though, this uh, Nocturnal Animals, it's intelligent. And it involves a family vacation that just goes horribly wrong. In this film, Aaron Taylor Johnson's performance was his best so far of his career. And although like Amy Adams is great in this, Jake Gyllenhaal is great in this, watch this movie for Aaron Taylor Johnson. He plays this really just like insane, just like messed up in the head uh, guy, and it's just it, it's incredible. Who, who is this? I don't. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. He was the first Quicksilver before they um, replaced okay. him uh, in X Men. Gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, he was yeah. Scarlet Witch in that Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay, you got him now. Yeah, he was also yeah. in Godzilla. Yeah. Wait, the Matthew Broderick one? <laughs> no, oh, dude, can we? I don't ever. Oh, Matthew Broderick. I hate when I hear his name. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Hey, uh, that Godzilla movie was pretty good. Though. I liked that movie. I did. Yeah, I did. But I just it's a running gag at this point in our know, podcast about Matthew Broderick. Um, uh, with uh, no, they, he was in that Godzilla one, the very first one that they re-released before, like God, Gods like, and Monsters, like 2017 or something like that. Yeah, it something like that, where you you get to see Godzilla all but like four and a half minutes in that entire right. movie. I was it, so mad about they, that. They literally make that movie about the humans, and can yeah. they stop doing that? I know, man. Like I I I, w- I went to a movie called Godzilla to see Godzilla, right? And then, in the God, did you see Gods and Monsters? I haven't seen it yet, no. I, I did, and it's better, but They it's, doubled the time of Godzilla on screen? They, like, they, tri- dude, Eight they're, minutes? They get, <laughs> no, they give you, they give you monsters, okay, but they good. still try to make it about the humans, and it's like, stop doing that. Just yeah. stop. It's like, it's like when you make a movie called Titanic, and then you make it about Kate Winslet and- And her tits. And, and her tits, and- <laughs> And and the and the love story. Come on, or Pearl Harbor, even for that matter. Oh, Why man. would you throw in an hour and a half of love scenes and crap when I? It, it's it's about Pearl Harbor and the bombings, right? And, and whatnot. And, I will and say our though, fleet that like I did enjoy Pearl Harbor for that one part w- where they get into the uh, airplanes and they're flying around and, and that was cool. That and was a they, cool part. And then they ruined it with all the like making love with all the little like sheets going on, yeah, in the background after, and yeah. stuff. Get no, out of yeah. here with that crap. It, that's that would be one of those movies where it's or one of those like top ten lists where it's like great scenes and terrible films. Yeah, <laughs> in, in my opinion, I, I would agree. I would agree <laughs> with that. So, um, uh, going back to uh to this, I, there was something I wanted to say about damn it. Oh, oh, with with Godzilla was uh he he plays um in in Godzilla Aaron Taylor Johnson is the husband of Elizabeth Olsen. Okay. But then in Age of Ultron, they were brother and sister. Uh, right. It's kind of weird. But that is a little weird. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's performance is really great. Uh, Amy Adams is as gorgeous as ever. Mm. She's impressive, of course. Jake Gyllenhaal absolutely shows up with his A game. I don't really want to reveal too much about this because it's one of those that you really should go in not knowing much about. And you'll get more out of it that way, I think. But it's dark, it's twisted, and it'll leave you thinking about it for quite some time after you finish watching it. And that's pretty much that's pretty much all thrillers is like, uh, you know, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what it, you know what it's about, but I'm not gonna like I can't give any details because that's what thrillers are, you know. It's yeah, like, actually, dude, you're they're right. They're all kind of mysteries. Like I can't ruin anything. Like, going, going through this list, I was like, I can't. I don't. I, I kind of have to be yeah. more vague than usual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For this category, especially. Yeah. Okay. So final point about this, and then and then we can hear your number nine. Uh, Tom Ford, who I mentioned as the director, he's known as a fashion designer, but even so, he left the costuming for this film strictly to the costume designer. Not a single Tom Ford product appears in this film. Uh, because he didn't want it to come off as a commercial for Tom Ford. Right. And I give him a lot of respect for that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's like, I, I'm already making enough money on this movie. I don't need to that's, make more on my exactly. clothing. Yeah. I, I'd like to think cool. that he had a, you know, uh, some moral behind it, morality behind it. Right. Uh, but, you know, that could also be it as well. Like, I got enough money. I don't need to do that. <laughs> I just want to solidify myself as a filmmaker. And he definitely does a great, great job here. So, yeah, Nocturnal Animals number nine. Nice man. Uh, okay, so my number nine. I know. I know you've seen this for sure. Uh, this is a great movie. Phone Booth. Love Phone Booth. I love Phone Booth too. It's such a good love movie. Phone booth. Uh, that was directed by Joel Shoemaker. This came out in two thousand two, and uh, Joel Shoemaker. You know, he's done uh, things like Saint Elmo's Fire. Um, the really, the the really two bad Batman movies in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Batman did, and Robin. Yeah, Batman and with Robin. The bat nipples. And then the, uh, I think Batman Forever is the, is the other one that he did with Val know. Kilmer. Oh, he, he um, also oh he also directed that one? Yeah, oh, yeah. Great. And then, uh, but he also did like things like the number 23, another thriller. It's a really good movie. So, hey, little um, fun fact, though, when it came to Batman and Robin, I um, heard that he would be on the loudspeaker at, before they would like start a scene, and he would be going, "Remember, people, this is a comic book movie." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but Phone Booth uh, stars Colin Farrell. It's also got Kiefer Sutherland, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Rada Mitchell, Rada Mitchell, something like that, uh, and then uh, Katie Holmes. Isn't Al Pacino in that? Or am I thinking no, of something else? No. What What am I thinking of with Al Pacino? It could be a lot of things. I don't know. He's in a lot of shit, but I don't know. Well, Keeper uh, Sutherland is the sniper, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. then who the hell is the detective? Uh, uh, that'd be Forrest Whitaker. Oh, dude. Okay. Well, for, screw me. Go, continue, man. Screw anyway, me. if you haven't seen Phone Booth, I, I I personally think that the movie is badass. I've always loved this movie. I'm not even sure why it's so great, in my opinion. Like, I mean, it, it's good, but it's just it's a little cheesy. Uh, and it's surprisingly ranked a seven on IMDb, which I, you know, I was talking about Firewall being five point eight, and I thought that should be like a seven. Well, I think that this movie Phone Booth should be like a five point eight. <laughs> I see what you That's mean. just me, but I mean, I think that pe- certain people didn't like it, but I, I, I'm, I can't agree with you, man. I don't see how it could not be a good movie. I. It was thoroughly enjoyable to me. Well, I mean, it, I obviously liked it. It's on like, right, right. top ten, but I just, I just. It's like something about it, right? That it's like, yeah, it's just something it a little be. weird about it. I, yeah. I don't know. But I I do like, I mean, this movie, you could never remake this movie. Um, okay. and, it, and it couldn't be. It couldn't well, come out in, in today's day because. Oh, because phone booths. Yeah, phone booths are obsolete. They're practically non-existent. In fact, as of uh, February 2018, there are only four phone booths remaining in New York City. Wow, yeah. really? Mm, and and they're all like kind of like uh, they're there just they're, they were left there just as, as like a reminder of like what times used to be like. Cause <laughs> no, they're, they're actually for four super on purpose, but 
Did, I don't even know if they work, but I'm I sure ever, they do. But. Did I ever tell you about how I did a drug deal in a phone booth in New York City? No. Dude, straight up, man. I uh, I walked up to these guys, and they were selling their CDs for like, you know, two or three bucks on the on the sidewalk. And I was like, hey, man, any of y'all got some bud? And they were like, you a cop? And I was like, no. And it's funny because I actually was wearing some dog tags at the time, just like some, some decorative ones. I, I'm not pretending like I was in the Army or anything, but um, – I think they had like a Bible verse on them or something, but that's ironic. Uh, <laughs> I'm wearing a Bible verse and I'm going to buy some weed. But anyway, the guy was like, uh, he goes, but what's that? And he, like he sees the chain around my neck and I, and he thought that I was going to have a badge on me. And when I pull out his dog tags, he's like, all right, you straight. He, and he turns around and he looks back to this guy standing on the corner and he gives him a little nod and he holds up a two because I had asked him for, for a 20 sack. And, uh, and he goes, all right, man, give it like two minutes and then go look in the change slot in that phone booth over there. Change slot. Yeah, or no, no, he said, go put, go put a 20 in the change slot and then walk away, come back in five minutes. And that's what I did. So I go, I put, I put 20 bucks in the change slot. I leave, I come back, you know, where the quarters come out. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, or yeah, where the quarters come out, not the actual, like, you know, the slit. Yeah. Right? Well, you, yeah. The little fucking, yeah. And sure you. enough. Yeah. I come back five minutes later and there's, there's two grams of bud just waiting for me. I feel like if you've ever used a New York City phone booth, you, you won't get COVID. So uh, just because of all those germs. But anyway, um, back to phone booth here. Okay. Um, so so in phone booth, Colin Farrell, he plays this uh, fast-talking jackass. He's a publicist who lies to get out of trouble with his charm, his charisma, and his connections. Um, but he's been doing something bad. He, he's, he's been going to this particular phone booth every day to do something naughty. Um but someone's been watching him and doesn't like what he's doing. And that person calls him while he's in the phone booth and just happens to be watching through a sniper rifle, which is just so badass. Uh, I, I love that. I love his uh, Kiefer Sutherland's uh, character in this movie. Yeah, right. Um, but this this will obviously make this the last time that uh, Colin Farrell's character ever goes to this phone booth again. <laughs> uh, and I, I really I don't want to say anything else about the movie without ruining it, but... Um, I did have a couple of little fun facts, I guess. Ooh, hit us. Um, well, so the <laughs> the shorter... Okay, so if, if you've never seen the movie, you obviously didn't have TBS from 2003 to 2011, because I swear to God, it was on that channel like every single day. Um, and of course, they played the shorter version because they had to cut out the word fuck 143 times. Whoa. Yeah, that's a lot. I, I'm pretty sure I saw it on TV, so I had no idea. So yeah, was. exactly, yeah. right? So anyway, um, I guess that is my only fun fact for that. I thought I had something it's else to say. It's a great fact, dude. But anyway, uh, that's my number nine uh, for thrillers would be Phone Booth. Awesome. Check it out. Uh, number eight for me, another Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> flick. I don't think he's in the rest of mine, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is. <laughs> I, but uh, it's Nightcrawler. Yeah, that okay. I actually I forgot I have seen this movie. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, What'd I, you think? I, I I said earlier that I that I haven't seen any of your your movies, but uh, on your list. But I have seen Nightcrawler. That is a that is a good thriller movie. Yeah. I, I can't even believe I I didn't put it on my list. Right. I and I honestly like I when I make these lists, I try to just go off of my head. Oh, and I usually get you know three or four depending on the list. I get three or four down, and mm -hmm. you know with like childhood favorites, I don't even have to look up any, but. Uh, with this one, I, I really I wanted to look them up because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss some that were in other categories, possibly you know, because there's there's drama thriller, there's even comedy thriller, crime thriller, yeah, action thriller, stuff like that. Yeah, but there were a lot of crime thrillers that I really wanted to put on here, but I'm but they did, I'm saving them for crime. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so this one when I was looking it up, I was like, oh yeah, freaking Nightcrawler, man, I, I I definitely need to put this on here. Uh, it came out in 2014. It was directed by Dan Gilroy. Stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo, and Bill Paxton, amongst others. 
Uh, Gyllenhaal in this uh, film, he plays a character named Louis Bloom. He's this con man who inserts himself into the world of L.A. crime journalism, uh, which basically means that he, he sits at home or out or even in his car out on the streets and he listens to police scanners for like car wrecks or crimes going on around the city. And then he rushes to the scene of the crime or the wreck so that he can be the first one to catch it on film. And then what he does is he turns a profit off of that film by selling it to the local news station. And it, obviously you get top dollar for some really more graphic scenes, and, and especially for the first person there, because that's what the news wants to be. They want to be the first ones out there, which is a huge problem with what we have with the news today is because they want to get news out so quickly they they, they don't even bother fact-checking themselves. Right. But that's a, uh, that's a whole other story. But um, anyway, when it comes to this movie, it's creepy, it's eerie, and, dude, just utterly enjoyable in a dark and sinister way. Hall just transforms himself into this character, just loses himself. And Rene Russo also gives a very impressive performance as well. Uh, fun fact about it, Hall lost 20 pounds for this role, which was his idea because he visualized Lou as a hungry coyote, which <laughs> is awesome because that sums up the character perfectly. Nice. That's uh, Nightcrawler. And like, I, I don't want to say too much more because one of those just – Go into it without knowing much more, so uh, and, and you'll enjoy it, I promise. All right. Number eight for me. Come out, come out, wherever you are. You know what movie I'm talking this, about? I'm thinking Warriors. No, it's 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 called Hide and Seek. Oh, I haven't uh, seen that one. Okay, gotcha. Come out, come out, wherever you are. I'm thinking Warriors, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Hide and Seek, uh, it, it came out in 2005. Uh, it was directed by John Paulson, who also did uh, Swim Fan, if you've ever seen that movie. Yeah, that was a good one. That was all right, yeah. Um, and this stars Robert De Niro, Dakota Fanning, uh, Famke Jansen, Elizabeth Shue, and Dylan Baker. Um, I keep messing up on my computer here and losing where I was, but that's okay. Um, so this just happens to be the first rated R movie that I've ever seen in theaters. Uh, I was like 15 at the time, and my older sister took me to see this, and dude, it fucking it freaked me out, dude. Like, dude I've literally never heard of this movie. Really? It's yeah. it's it's pretty chilling. Like I was I was actually like scared to close my bedroom door without a light on for a few weeks after watching this movie. I mean, I I was a little younger, but I yeah, sure. Because I actually rewatched it uh, a couple of years ago, and it, it's a little ridiculous, but um, like it's still it's very chilling, very psychological thriller movie. And another surprisingly low ranking on IMDb with only a six. Um, and I think it's I think it's better than a six. But um, so, little synopsis: uh, Dakota Fanning's character's um, mother commits suicide, and her father, played by Robert De Niro, moves them to a new house and tries to kind of piece his life back together. Um, and then he quickly learns that his daughter has a new friend. It wasn't me, but his name was Charlie. Um, <laughs> who uh, Robert De Niro's character he's never seen but yet she claims is very real um, but is he okay. imaginary is is he a dream Okay. you will have that answer to that question if you go watch the movie because although M. Night Shyamalan did not direct this movie there's a huge fucked up plot twist that I just I can't give away gotcha so go check but, out but, but, the, but the questions are out. answered in this movie Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Okay, definitely! Cool. Definitely! See, that's a big thing for me. I don't know if we talked about this like on the podcast. I know I've talked about it with you in, in real life, but like I just, I those movies that kind of leave things vague at the end. Yeah. It, 
cool if it's a fun ride, but I like to know going in, like if I'm going to know the answers at the end or not. Right. It helps. Well, and that's, for me, that's what makes that's that's the best part about thriller movies is you know like the whole movie you're going what the fuck is happening and then at the end if it's a good thriller movie at the end all those questions that you were asking right. the whole movie through get answered and yeah it, it, that is definitely um the case in hide and seek because the whole movie i'm like okay what how how what the fuck and then yeah like the last 15 minutes it's like oh shit <laughs> oh, awesome. oh damn cool 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 so if you haven't seen hide and seek go check it out that's my number eight well you know how you had an honor honorable mention before this it's making me want to like mention just a couple real fast because they just mm. popped up but i wasn't thinking about when i was going through this list but it, they also could go onto the list like crime or something but um uh along came a spider kiss the girls yeah, yeah. With along Morgan came Freeman. Great. what 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 genre could i put those in like crime i guess maybe uh but crime I feel like there's so many good crime maybe movies. mystery Mi- oh okay I'll, i might say it for mystery mystery is going to be a, dif- uh, a difficult one for me because yeah. that's and mystery is also going to be one of those episodes where it's like we, we can't really tell you about yeah exactly <laughs> otherwise it won't be much of a mystery right. will it but uh, Kiss the Girls and Along Came a Spider with uh, Morgan Freeman, which were based off of some books. Those are really good like thrillers that keep you uh, guessing until the very yeah, end. Yeah, um, and I really love to kiss the girls. So, <laughs> hey, ladies. Number seven for me. <laughs> Change that subject real quick. <laughs> uh, so number seven is this movie called Searching. I don't know if you – have you heard of it? I'm, I'm searching. I'm, it's, I'm searching for an answer here. Uh, no, I, a, I have not. It's, it's, I have not. It's heard with it. John Cho, the guy who played Harold. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Harold Kumar. Yeah. It How are you? Came out in 2018. Nice to meet you, Gerald. <laughs> How are you, Cooney? <laughs> How All are right. you, Cooney? Yeah, sorry. Right. Five O's. I love Harold and Kumar, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, so this this came out in 2018. So it's pretty recent. It was directed by Anish. Uh, Shiganti, and it stars John Cho, like I mentioned, uh, Deborah Messing, and Joseph Lee. This movie, I, I was really surprised watching it. I, I saw the trailer, and I was like, okay, definitely want to check it out. And I love um, uh, John Cho, so I'll watch anything that he's in. Uh, it was very interesting. It's, it's, it's interestingly shot, and it's extremely original. So what happens is, uh, after David Kemp, played by John Cho, after his 16-year-old daughter Margot goes missing, an investigation gets under, underway, but after 37 hours without any leads, David, uh, David Kim, uh, he goes to the one place that no one's really checked, which is the internet. Uh, AK, uh, and, and more than that, it's her, her, her laptop, his daughter's laptop. And mm-hmm. he, b- by perusing through her laptop, he comes to find out that he doesn't really know his daughter. And so that starts to open up some revelations. And then he starts talking like with one of her friends online and uh, becomes essentially like an internet sleuth. And uh, most of the movie is shown through the point of the view of laptop or even phone screens. If they're like texting, if any characters are texting with one another, they're, they're texting. And uh, because that's how David uses that's how david uses the time in this movie to try and find his daughter and uh deborah messing she comes in as detective vic who's assigned to the case and dude she's hardly recognizable as as this rugged detective character Mm -hmm. she's really gorgeous and in this like she's just very you know like uh like i guess ordinary you know which is nothing wrong against ordinary but when you're this beautiful woman to play this i didn't even realize it was deborah messing until the credits yeah honestly she was exceptional uh, exceptional in this and the really cool thing about this is that the director and the producer anish shiganti and sev ohanian respectively they made their own rough version of this film with shiganti playing all the characters 
so that the editors and the cast could get a feel for what they were making. It's hard for me to explain, um, but like just think about how it's it's just a bunch of like Zoom meetings. It's a bunch of just uh, right. on, yeah on on screen, and you might think that that would either be boring or get old, but it really doesn't. And especially because it's never really been done like this before. Right. It's really smartly shot and you can tell the effort that they had to put into it. And so, and on top of it, it's a good movie with good performances. So it definitely deserved to be on this list. Number seven, Searching. Well, so I've, I've, I've never seen that and I'm trying to kind of picture what you're talking about in my head. And the only thing I can come up with is, do you remember that episode? I think it was in like the last uh season of always sunny in philadelphia or maybe the second to last season but they're they're all at the zoo and like the whole episode they're just like texting each other like with emotion oh my god that episode is so freaking funny (laughs) anyway that's just what what popped in my head but um nice number seven i'm gonna have to check that out dude please yeah maybe one day if you still have it in like uh you know a few months then uh i'll make that one that we watch sounds good yeah uh number seven for me is the butterfly effect have you seen this, Dalton? Yeah, I, a long time ago. I know I definitely loved it, but it, I was really young, so it was hard for me to wrap my mind around it. Yeah. It's definitely a mindfuck type of it, film. It really is, man. Yeah, um, so tell me about it. Yeah, this this movie is a roller coaster ride. Uh, so Butterfly Effect came out in 2004. It was directed by Eric Bress and Jay Mackay Gruber, or Mackie Gruber. Uh, it stars Ashton Kutcher, Amy Smart, Melora Walters, and Eldon Henson. And this is easily one of uh, Ashton Kutcher's best movies, especially considering you know he's not—he's basically not playing a pot-smoking dumbass like he was when he was Michael Kelso in that '70s show. And <laughs> right. Dude, where's my car? He's actually—you know—it's a much more serious film uh, where he—he's playing a guy named Evan Treborn, who grew up in a small town, and at a young age he starts suffering from memory blackouts where. He suddenly finds himself somewhere completely different, very confused, and and no one believes him about it. Not his friends, not his mother. They all think he's just making this shit up to get get out of trouble. Uh, and since the age of seven, he started uh, writing in like a little journal or diary about his blackouts so that he can remember what happens. And then after he grows up a little bit, the blackouts occur less and less. Then one day while he's at college... Uh, he starts to read or reread one of his old diaries, and then all of a sudden he finds a supernatural way where he can go back in time and alter his life. Um, and that's that's all I can really say without ruining anything yeah. is that he can basically time travel to specific memories and change something about them, and then go back to where he was back uh, before, right before he went back, and he can see all the differences uh, in the in the world that just based on the things that he changed, hence the name Butterfly Effect. Um, it's just such a trippy, exciting movie. If you haven't seen this one, I, I highly, highly recommend it. However, that being said, you can completely stay away from the sequel. It's basically garbage. There's a sequel? Yeah, and it's trash. Why? And it wasn't even it wasn't even Ashton Kutcher, so I, I can't remember who it was, but you can stay away from that one. Go see the first one. <laughs> Don't watch the second one. Save Save your time. Watch something else, <laughs> but that's number seven for me. All right, right on, cool. Yeah, I I definitely um, remember like it being a like a good movie. I just was so it, it, it's one that you really need to pay attention mm. to when you watch, right? Yeah, yeah. I I liked it a lot. I awesome. Liked, yeah. So that was uh, number seven. Yep. And we're on to six for me, which is Black Swan. Uh, you said number six. Yeah, we're on number six, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Number six for me is Black Swan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I haven't you, seen it, but I, I definitely have heard of this. You movie. know about it? I know about it. I've, I've, I've heard of it. I've I've even seen like a scene or two from this. Uh, this oh, is, you've definitely seen the the one with Mila Kunis and, and Natalie Portman, right? Is that uh, that's what they're is. like making out and stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I actually did not mention. I wasn't even gonna mention it <laughs> here, but now hey, you, we, know, you know we all have things in our spank bank that we don't want to talk about. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing around. <laughs> yeah, some we might be a little bit embarrassed about, <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, it came out 2010. It was directed by Darren Aronofsky. Stars Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, and my favorite in this, Vincent Castle. Who, by the way, Vincent Castle, he portrays, uh, he portrayed the Beast in the French version of the Beauty and the Beast, and that is far and away my favorite retelling of that uh, classic story. Yeah. If you have the Emma Watson version, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it, that one was fine. I, I just. Eh, it was fine. I'm, I mean, I'm all about Emma Watson, but yeah, I saw that, and that wasn't. I mean, it was okay. It yeah, was okay. but watch this. Watch that one. The French I, one. It, yeah, it's a French. It's like a French title, like La Bete, I think, like the Beast. I think that's what it's called. Mm, but yeah. It, yeah, look it up. It, it's it's different. Uh, it takes a, a new spin on it, and I, I just I thoroughly enjoyed it for real. And uh, so, anyway, just wanted to mention that. Uh, in this movie, though. Black Swan, uh, Nina, played by Portman, is a ballerina in an NYC ballet company whose life is just basically ruled by her profession. Especially, you know, ballerinas, that's that like they, they have to dedicate their lives to that, to, to become the best. And uh, Nina's given the role of the swan in the famous ballet Swan Lake. However, the ballerina who portrays that swan needs to be able to uh, not only play the uh, white swan, the, the, uh, um, Sorry, the the role of the yeah the role of the, the the white swan who is supposed to be innocent and but you're supposed to play that but also the black swan who is more cunning and has more guile to her and she's unable to get in touch with that dark side of her. She can play the white side, very light side, of very well, but not the dark. And so enter Mila Kunis's character, a rival ballerina who can and is just as good as her, and so they, it becomes this competition between the two for the role. And, uh, well, the movie uses their opposite personas to create a very compelling and sensual story. That really surprised me. It really surprised me when I saw it. I didn't think I was going to care much for it, but I do, I do adore this movie. And I hope you will, too, if you, enjoy, if you watch it. Uh, I adore Natalie Portman. So. Dude, she's great. Mm. She's great, yeah. Uh, would you, Natalie Portman or Mila Kunis for you? Oh, definitely Natalie, Natalie Portman. Yeah, same. Yeah. same, same. I mean, Mila Kunis is, is gorgeous, oh, yeah, too. Oh, yeah, she's gorgeous. But, but, um, yeah, yeah Natalie, Natalie, Natalie Portman, not only is she gorgeous, but she's going to make my top ten actress list. Oh, so, uh, okay, yeah, cool, cool. I like, I like a lot of the movies she's in. So. All right, a little sneak preview there. Yeah. All right, final thing <laughs> about this uh, this movie. Fun facts. Uh, Portman stated that one of the most difficult challenges of this film was modifying her voice because she was criticized for her voice all her all for all of her career before this film for having such like a, a, a childlike voice, which led her to work with coaches to make it sound deeper and more adult. But then this role came around, and she was required to essentially regress from all that training in order to sound more childlike, which made her feel as though she was she basically was taken back to the point where she had to leave all of that hard work behind. Hmm. I found that very interesting, so I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. And that's cool. number six, Black Swan, for me. Cool. Number six for me is the 2007 movie Disturbia. So uh, I, I know, Dalton, you have seen that movie. Uh, this is directed by DJ Caruso, and it's starring Shia LaBeouf, David Morse, uh, Carrie Ann Moss, Sarah Romer, Aaron Yu, 
and Matt Craven. And this is definitely, definitely one of my favorite thrillers I've ever seen. And I also think this might be one of Shia LaBeouf's best films, in my opinion. What do you think? This would probably be one of your top-ranked Shia LaBeouf movies. Have you seen Peanut Butter Falcon? I have not, no. Watch that and then get back to me. That is one of my favorites of his. But I would say it's Transformers 2. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. No, definitely. Uh, Disturbia is an awesome film. Yeah. Shia. I really loved it. I, I loved him. I loved the Asian guy in it. Yes. Yes. Well. I, thought I was going to say Aaron Yu is awesome in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Shia LaBeouf plays a high schooler named Kale. He gets put on house arrest after punching his teacher in the face. Classic. Yeah, that was a good scene. Uh, his father had just been killed in a car accident, and he had been acting out and getting into trouble with the law. So he's put on house arrest with an ankle monitor and out of sheer boredom basically just starts watching the neighbors with binoculars, including the super sexy girl that just moved in next door. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, especially when she's laying by the pool. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway. Doesn't she, like, go out on a roof or something? Yeah. No, he, like, something yeah, she goes roof, out right? on the roof and reads, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but then after a while, uh, while he's watching all the neighbors, he thinks he might have seen a different neighbor murder somebody. Um, but he can't prove it because he can't leave the house and he can't go get more clues. So it's a super thrilling, freaky, freaky end to this movie. And that's that's pretty much all I'm going to say. I do have a, f- a fun fact. If you've ever seen the movie Zathura, have you seen Zathura? Yeah, yeah I like Zathura. Yeah, it's basically Jumanji in space. Right. Um, then you might recognize the Dax, house. Dax Shepard's the astronaut. Yeah, Dax Shepard, yeah. Uh, you might recognize the house in Disturbia because it's the same one used in, in Zathura. Um, and if you've ever seen the movie Rear Window or the remake of Rear Window, then you might notice that the script for Disturbia is very, well, I was going to say loosely based, but it's actually pretty much completely the same as uh, Rear Window. So uh, if you haven't seen Disturbia, go see it. If you have seen it, go see it again. And that's my number six. That's really interesting that you mentioned Rear Window, Charles, because uh, my number five Oh yeah, is Rear Window? Oh fuck yes, it's dude. Rear Window, dude. That's a good yes. movie. Okay, so, Serbia, so I was I've, like, so then I've seen two movies on your list. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what I was looking at when I looked at your list. Then, okay. uh, you must have been looking at the porn that I forgot to <laughs> close uh, out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> or am I? Yeah, I don't know why he's into that midget porn stuff, but you know, <laughs> is it because you're five it foot makes two? Makes it look bigger. <laughs> and, okay, I got you. Oh wait, no, you're five foot what? Six? Uh, like six and a quarter. Don't forget, don't forget the quarter. Who's counting? <laughs> yeah, but who's counting, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, everyone out there, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm 30 years old in three months, so. <laughs> what? I don't get it. Uh, who's counting the three months? Not me. I don't fucking like. I, I don't tell people when someone asks me my age. I'm not like, yeah, I'm I'm 30 and a fifth. Oh, hey, <laughs> back in the day, I actually remember like telling someone I'm seven and a quarter mm-hmm. or I'm seven and a half. Yeah, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Yeah, no, you, you stop doing that after like eight years old. So, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so, but rear window, dude. That's uh, really awesome that you brought up Serbia as your as your number. That was your number six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So rear window, uh, number five for me. Oh, I love this movie. I love this movie, and uh, and I I didn't even know that this, when I I actually went and sought this movie out when I found out that Disturbia was a remake of that, mm-hmm. and, or you know a. a no, it was. It wasn't I did the same remake, when I watched Disturbia, was... and I found out that it was based on Rear Vin- Rear Window. Uh, I went and watched Rear Vi- Win- I can't talk. You're trying to say Venata. Rear Window. I went and watched Rear Window after I watched Disturbia as well. So 
Yeah, which is exactly what I did. And especially knowing that it uh, starred Jimmy Stewart, James mm-hmm. Stewart, and was directed by Al- Alfred Hitchcock. It's like, okay, definitely need to go check this out. Then. Oh, yeah. Uh, came out in 1954. Uh, it also stars Grace Kelly and uh, Wendell Corey. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you basically told the story in your in your last <laughs> film, but uh, this one is, is slightly different with Jimmy Stewart being a professional photographer named Jeff Jeffries who breaks his leg while he's trying to get this action shot at a car race. So now he's stuck in his New York apartment, spending all of his time just basically being this creepy voyeur, observing all of his neighbors through his, uh, well, his rear window. Yeah. (laughs) Hence the name. And one night, while engaging in his voyeurism, he believes he witnesses one of his neighbors murdering his wife. And so then Jeff enlists the help of his girlfriend and nurse as he tries to prove that the murder occurred. And... It seems like, I mean, it seems like it could be a boring movie just kind of taking place in his apartment and, you know, looking over at the other apartments. But, dude, it is a fantastic thriller that I was so glad that I ended up seeing. And it's so mm-hmm. cool that Disturbia was a great film just like this was. You know, usually when you do a remake like that, it's it, especially when it's a remake of a classic, it, it's, it, it lacks. But it's, it's awesome that Disturbia was a great film as well. Because it also brought it to the modern era and was able to do different things with it, which was cool. Yeah. The ending in this is great. Definitely check it out. It's a classic. Fun fact about it, all of the apartments that on this set mm-hmm. were elaborately created to have electricity and running water so you could technically live in them. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Anything else? No, that's it for Rear Window. I mean, Sweet. We talked about a Serbia Rear Window. They're very, very similar. But, uh, yeah, man, I just – Please see that one if you haven't. Yeah, seen it. yeah. If it, actually go watch that before you watch Disturbia. That I wish yeah. I'd seen that and then and then Disturbia. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I'm glad I saw them both regardless. Yeah, I mean it's Alfred Alfred Hitchcock and he's just brilliant. I mean yeah, he's got man. so many. Honestly, the um, I don't have any uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies on my list, and that's just because. I'm I'm kind of saving them for other things. Like They're horror. all thrillers. They're yeah. all thrillers. Yeah, Actually, I mean, not even horror. I just kind of like classics. I want to do like uh, a, okay, gotcha. I want to eventually get uh, a category where it's just like we talk about classic thrillers, classic horrors, and stuff like that. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, number five for me is one of my all-time favorite freaking movies, Red Eye. Oh, I love Red Eye. Yeah, I know I you saw do. That. I just rewatched that again, like uh, yeah, just three months ago. Or yeah, something. it's such a good movie. This is. Another thriller that made my 2005, uh, made it in 2005. I think that's my third one. So 2005 was a good movie for thrillers. Good, um, no, no, good year for thrillers. You said good movie for thrillers. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a good I, year for thrillers. I can't <laughs> talk today. <laughs> You're good. Um, and it was directed by Wes Craven. I had no really? idea. I had no clue when I was looking up Did you know, he do facts Nightmare about this. Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. he's, he's, he's the guy that created all those... You know, Freddy Krueger movies. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea he did Red Eye. Huh. Uh, very cool. This this movie stars Rachel McAdams, Killian Murphy, Brian Cox, and Jama Mays. Um, oh, yeah. Brian Cox is the dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's cool. he's exactly. And Killian Murphy is just straight up creepy in yes, this movie. Is. It's his eyes, man. That's actually why he got hired. Really? Yeah, he, had, he, he, he went in an audition, eyes. and like as soon as, uh, as soon as Wes Craven saw his eyes, he was like, you're you're the guy. Yeah, you got the role. Awesome. Yeah, but dude, he wasn't always like he's actually rather charming in the beginning when he charms mm-hmm. Rachel yeah, McAdams. Exactly. Yeah, when he talks about like the book she's reading and stuff. Right. Like it, talk about like a pick a pickup artist. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then and he like tries to guess what drink she wants while they're at the yeah, airport. Yeah, the Bahama Breeze or yeah, something. Even though he knew he'd been following uh-huh. her for anyway. Okay, so if you haven't seen this movie, again, Kelly oh, yeah, Murphy, we're, we're giving a little straight up creepy. Rachel McAdams, straight up sexy. Um, and 
I would switch those. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, well, you know, Killian Murphy's my favorite. Actor. Well, I was about to say, and I'm sure the ladies out there listening would be like, "Yeah, let's switch those." Killian <laughs> Murphy, baby, what's going on? <laughs> but um, this this is uh, this this movie takes place. Most of it takes place on a plane, uh, on the Red Eye flight, where Rachel McAdams' character Lisa Reiser is kidnapped by the stranger she met previously at the airport bar, who is Killian Murphy. Uh, obviously, she wasn't kidnapped per se because they were on an airplane however uh killian murphy's character jackson ripner a very clever play on words making him basically jack the ripper oh shit threatens lisa and says that her father is being watched and will be killed if she doesn't follow orders and assist her captor in a political assassination um just such a good movie with a lot of awesome action scenes including Rachel McAdams stabbing somebody in the throat with a pen, which is always my favorite part. I know you I know you know what I'm talking yeah, about. I wasn't going to mention it. But. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't I'm, I'm not ruining anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't think just, it does. Right, Cuz so. I didn't say who she stabs or anything like that. Yeah, I know you said it was smart, yeah. Right. But um and you know Part of me always kind of wished that she stabbed the guy in the eye instead of the uh, throat cuz then it's like, "Oh, I get it. Red eye." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I don't I don't really have any fun facts for this movie. I will just say that uh, this movie, in fact, is fun, and it's exciting to watch. Yeah. So that's my number five. Cool. And what I, I want to say one thing about that movie, and it was that the way that they decided to try and carry out that political assassination mm-hmm. was very clever. Yeah, I agree. And that's all. Like just, just to, it, we've seen it a million times: assassination attempts and 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 things like that but the way that they that this group of people go about it it's really it's like that's that was unique and it's a lot different it's not just some guy on a roof yeah. with a sniper yeah, yeah that's what i mean yeah, yeah. yeah it's much actually, different they put effort into it right i agree so that's uh number five what's your number four dalton get out get out i still have not seen this and i know that there's something wrong with me because i just i've heard so many excellent things about this movie why don't you tell me why you think it's excellent <laughs> all right brother uh well first it came out 2017 uh pretty recent directed by jordan peele starring daniel kalua and allison williams Catherine keener and bradley whitford uh so this why I love this movie, man, is because of the original script. Uh, Jordan Peele is amazing, obviously from Key and Peele, but uh, other things as well. Uh, he's a completely fantastic... Completely different from Key and Peele, too. Yeah, right. Well, Such completely different, different except for the fact that Key and Peele was so... All their skits were so cinematic. So right. it didn't surprise me that he was able to transfer into make, make into cinema and right. making beautiful films because that's what Key and Peele was about. Like, that's what made it different from Chappelle's show to me was that it was more cinematic. Chappelle's show to me, hey, hate me if you want, Chappelle's show was funnier. Oh, I love Chappelle's show. They actually just put it on Netflix and I love oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been, I've been rewatching it because I'm like, I haven't, and I didn't even realize like there were actually a lot of episodes of Chappelle's show that I guess they just didn't put on Comedy Central very oh, often. really? Because like, you know, Every time I think of Chappelle show, I'm thinking that Rick James bitch, and right, I'm thinking yeah. like or Clayton uh, Bigsby, yeah, or the Mad Real World or whatever they do. Like, <laughs> that's one of my favorite episodes. That, but like, there's my favorite. I, I'm already like, I'm on season two, and there's already like six episodes. I'm like, I don't remember this at all. Huh. So Spale show. I'm glad that they put that on Netflix Spale so that show. I could watch them all. Let's start the show. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> I'm rich, bitch. Honk, honk. Anyway. Fuck your couch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. We could do, we could do a whole episode just on Chappelle Show skits. Oh, we, I'm planning on. Maybe it. we could <laughs> do that, like top ten Chappelle Show skits or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay, so uh, back to Get Out. 
So uh, Chris, uh, played by Darren Kaluuya, the main character, and his girlfriend Rose, they go to visit his uh, to visit her parents for the weekend. Now, at first, Rose's family seems very accommodating of him, and it's it comes off like it's just nerves of de- of them dealing with the fact that they're in an interracial relationship because mm-hmm. Chris is black and Rose is white. But as the weekend goes on, things become a little less cut and dry as that. Mm. So ultimately, it has this reveal that, dude, it, it will shock you. And it's it's also just a beautifully written film. It's it's actually it's it's funny in a lot of times because of this, especially with the standout performance for me, which was Low Ray Howery as Rod Williams, Chris's friend, who teases him the whole time not to go. Like he's telling him, "Hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go see your parents. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hang out for the weekend. Stay with them." And he's like, "Don't go." He didn't because he just doesn't trust white folk. And Rod even tells Chris, "Like I'm mad at you because you never take my advice." Chris says, "Like what?" And Rod says, "Like don't go to a white girl's parents' house. What is she doing? Lick your balls or something?" Like, <laughs> it's, it's, like what? It's, it was great. I, I I didn't I didn't deliver the cadence correctly on that one, but. Uh, it's just oh man dude, that it I love the the beauty of like the horror the thriller the suspense and the comedy mixed into it as well and a fun fact about this is that due to the film's success Jordan Peele became the first African American writer producer and director to earn more than one hundred million dollars in a debut film wow boom that's pretty awesome yeah pretty dope and then he followed it up with us we'll talk about us in other in another uh, episode. Uh, but have you seen us? I haven't. No. Okay. Oh man. Okay. Cool. That one. Before we do, yeah, I'll, I'll get you to I'll get you to watch us here in a, in a little while. But yeah, okay. did I sell you on Get Out? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. I was already sold before this. It's, but yeah, yeah I, I, I I've been meaning to to watch this, but it's not on any like streaming platforms right now. So I'm I'm kind of waiting for them to put it on something that I can, so I can watch. Right. It. Yeah. It's it's just I want there's more that I want to say but especially with you having not seen it I don't I, I just don't want to give any more away because it's really worth the reveal and it's worth just watching it all unfold yeah so yeah get out that's number four for me okay number four for me is American Psycho oh nice I have not seen that uh, you have not seen this mm-hmm. oh well then we're gonna have to we're gonna have to teach you a thing or two <laughs> uh, this came out in the year 2000 it was directed by Mary Heron. Uh, it stars Christian Bale, Justin Thoreau, um, Josh Lucas, Reese Witherspoon, Jared Leto, and Willem Dafoe. And believe it or not, according to IMDb, this movie is the only one on my list that's not even in a thriller category, which I, I just think it's absurd to me because if you've seen this movie, you know how thrilling and fucked up this movie is. Uh, but IMDb refers to it as a comedy, crime, and drama film. And okay. I'm just like, well, IMDb, you, you're wrong. Because it's definitely a thriller. And one of my all-time favorite movies. It's about a guy named Patrick Bateman, who is played by Christian Bale, who is a New York City investment banking executive who hides his alternative psychopathic identity from his coworkers, his friends, and his girlfriend. Um, and so, like, during the day, he works on Wall Street. But at night, he's a murderous criminal who gets off on his killings. And I love it. I mean, whether he's killing homeless people for absolute no reason or throwing a running chainsaw down a stairwell to kill his victims, I love every minute of this movie. I love his, uh, his love for Huey Lewis and the News, the, the, the music group that they actually did the, uh, some of the music for Back to the Future, like uh, oh. the, the opening uh, song to, that, to, to Back to the Future. But he, he like he's like obsessed with Huey Lewis in the news and it's hilarious. As is the scene where um all of him and his like uh buddies at the firm, 
they're all like comparing their business cards I based on color and printing. Scene. Yeah, it, no, it's okay. It, it's super funny. Um, and then, uh, of course, as soon as the humor uh, ends, he does something completely fucked up again. I did uh, find that like one fun fact I found was that Bateman was watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre during one of his workout scenes in the movie, which I'll actually be discussing that movie, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, in an upcoming episode. Also, Brett Easton Ellis, who wrote the novel American Psycho, uh, which is currently on my reading list, apparently they couldn't put the more fucked up parts in the movie that were in the book. So I'd like to find out what was too horrific to make the film that was already really brutal. But anyway, I, I... I, I got to go read American Psycho. So if if you haven't seen American Psycho, go read the book. Go watch the movie. The movie's awesome. That's my number four. I love it. Number three for me is Don't Breathe. Uh, You've seen that? No. Oh, man. Oh, right. Yeah. But should. it's... um. Oh, it, dude. I think... Okay, but this came out right after A Quiet Place. And... No, it was before it. It was 2016. Oh. Quiet Place was like 2018. Oh, was it? Huh? Okay, I guess... No, 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 I'm not... This, you're thinking Bird Box, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, well, is it really similar to A Quiet Place? Nope. No? Okay, well, then I well, don't know what the well, hell I'm talking about. Well, <laughs> A Quiet Place... No, well, okay, okay. Because they is, like, couldn't talk they, like, at yeah, all in the movie. Yeah, because they can't make a sound. Sure, okay, I see where you're going. Yeah, but there's not like supernatural alien monsters in this. Oh, okay. So basically what it is is it's this group of like teenagers, maybe young 20-somethings, and they make a living off of breaking into houses, and one of them gets a tip that there is a man living in an, uh, a house in an abandoned uh, Detroit neighborhood. So he's all alone in this one house. He gets this tip that he has $300,000 sitting in the house that was uh, a, a settlement from uh, a his daughter getting hit by a drunk driver or something like that. Oh, damn. So they case out the house to figure out how they're going to break in. And then through in doing so, they realize that the man who owns the house, is, he lives alone and that he is blind. So they think this is going to be an easy score. So, you know, two or three days later, they break into the house. And then all of a sudden they realize that things are way off. Obviously, there's no lights on, anything like that. There's padlocks like on, on a lot of different doors, especially the one leading down to the basement. And uh, things just go haywire from there. Because not only is he blind, he's a former veteran. And he's and think about it. like he, When you're blind, all of your other senses are enhanced. So he can hear very well. And so they eventually realize that they need to take off their shoes so that they can walk around quiet, more quietly. And then he eventually hears them, and then shit just goes down from there. And that's why it's called Don't Breathe, because like, it, it, when he comes down and he's walking through the house, and they're all like on like the walls, like trying – like he's literally right in front of them, and they're all just like <gasps> – like the, the like there it, it's it is heart racing man yeah. like seriously it's a, it's a, it's a great film and the ending is going to shock the hell out of you like what you find out is down in his basement is insane and so for that alone i i like i i showed this to a girl once and i was like Midway through showing her, because I was like, it's a good movie, and I showed it to her midway through. I remembered what happened at the end, and I was like, 
okay, I kind of regret this because when we get here, she's probably going to be like, what the fuck, Dalton? <laughs> she was cool with it, but anyway. Um, Bunch of porn in his basement? Uh, you know kidding. what? Yeah, let's go with that. That that would be a lot lighter than what it really was. Oh, <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, Don't Breathe, just a, a really, really, really suspenseful thriller, man. And uh, I just want to mention, because I, I didn't in the, in the beginning, it was uh, uh, made in 2016, directed by Fetty Alvarez. Uh, starring Stephen Lang, Jane Levy, and Dylan Minnette. Dylan Minnette from 13 Reasons Why. And this other very, very terrible movie called Open House. It's on Netflix. Don't watch that movie. Actually, go watch it. Just so you can just so you can have wasted two hours of your life like I did. <laughs> but no, screw Open House. Watch uh, Don't Breathe. Oh, actually, last thing. I had a fun fact. I had a fun fact. Uh, all of the actors wore special contact lenses that restricted their vision. To make it... Interesting. Sorry, I, I, I'm not breathing. Oh, that's why you've been making that constipated face this yeah, whole time. sort of. <laughs> God, I should have kept I, talking. Okay, I can breathe now because it's, it's, it's my turn. Yes, you can, my friend. Go Good, ahead. Good, because that was going to be hard to talk about my number three if I couldn't breathe. Um, <laughs> it was good. It was number three for me. <laughs> uh, number three for me is Misery, which came out in 1990. Okay. Directed by Rob Rayner, who okay. is the wonderful... And uh, recently just passed Carl Rayner's son. Uh, well, the son didn't die. Carl Rayner just died. Uh, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. And it's uh, starring James Caan, uh, Kathy Bates, Richard Farnsworth, and Francis Sternhagen. Misery, to me, is easily one of the most thrilling films I've ever seen. I actually just watched it for the first time, even though it's been out since I was born, um, just maybe about a month ago. And Already, obviously, it was good because it's my number three thriller, and I've only yep. seen it once. But um, just uh, one of the most thrilling movies I've ever seen, one of Stephen King's greatest stories. Of course it's great, though. You know, that weird dark man is one hell of an author and has so many great stories turned into great movies. Um, but at least, and, and of course, Stephen King's like, you know, he probably has like uh, one movie or one of his stories turned into a movie in like, one of all my top ten lists. <laughs> um, but I can easily say that I love this movie, especially James Kahn plays an author of a series of novels about a girl named Misery. And then he gets into a car accident, and who comes along to rescue him? His number one fan, Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates, who is just brilliantly psychotic and just downright fucking scary. Uh, she, she is more than just his number one fan. She is obsessed with this guy. Um, I, I'm not going to go too much into detail, but I will watch this movie many, many more times in the future. And I, I think some of my favorite characters, uh, have to be the comedic relief Sheriff Buster and his wife, Virginia. They were just so good together. They were hilarious. I, they were cracking me up. Um, a couple fun little facts that I read, but I have, uh, not seen yet is that season two of this show called Castle Rock, which is on Hulu, uh, yeah. is apparently a prequel to Misery and to Annie Wilkes' story. So I'm definitely going to be oh, checking that really? out. Yeah, apparently. So, I, yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out if I ever find the time. Um, another fun little fact, Mary Tyler Moore, who is one of my all-time favorite actresses, wanted to play the role of Annie, and she didn't get it. And uh, then there was also somebody who was uh, who was thought of to play the role that James Caan eventually got. Can you guess who it is? Uh, okay, so James Caan's character. Yeah, um, Robert Duvall. No, yeah, I'm I'm talking about it. So who who would it be? 
Bill Murray. It's Bill Murray. Ah, <laughs> nice. I know. Which, of course, that would just that this whole movie would be so different <laughs> if Bill Murray <laughs> yeah, right. had, had gotten it. But um, lastly, uh, just to reiterate, Kathy Bates was freaking phenomenal in this movie. So much so that she won the only Oscar that was nominated for this film, Best Actress. Go read the book, Misery. Go watch the movie. That's my number three. Straight up, bro. I love straight it. Up. Straight up. Straight up, straight up, straight up. Okay. Number two for me is a film that I don't think a lot of people our age will have seen. I, I, a lot of people that I mentioned, a lot of my friends that I mentioned this to have not seen it. It's called The Game. Have you seen it? Uh, it's with I, Michael Douglas. I've only played it. Uh, <laughs> Everybody play the game of love. Okay. Anyway, no, I have not. I have not seen the game. That's all right. That's all right. Um, so it's 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 really good, but I guess it's little uh, like not very well known. So it's it's number two for me because it's such a good thriller. Though I was on the edge of my seat the whole way through. I did not know how this was going to end. I could not wait to find out how it was going to end. And uh, some people in the reviews that I read were disappointed by the ending. I was cool with it. I liked it. I think it's a great movie from start to finish. Uh, it, it is very unlike the Atlanta Falcons, where it has a good first, second, third, and fourth quarter. Oh, nice. Came out in 1997. It was directed by David Fincher and stars Michael Douglas, Deborah Kara Unger, and Sean Penn. So I love Sean Penn. It's a really unique movie. Uh, I I actually watched it on TV and I had no expectations and I like I was just absolutely blown away when I watched it. And so then uh, when I saw it again on TV a little bit later, I definitely watched it just because I loved it that much and I wanted to see it again. So uh, it's about Nicholas Van Orton, played by Michael Douglas, who is a wealthy banker and he's also uh, very much a loner whose brother gives him a card which gives him entry to an unusual entertainment. Uh, it, it gives him uh, sorry it gives him entry into unusual entertainment provided by something called CRS Consumer Recreation Services. It's kind of like the man who knew too little. Okay. In in that regard, like except not funny. It's right. a thriller, but right. in, in that same way to where like he th- that's why it's called the game. Like he thinks that he's in a game, but like is it the game? Or but he is, is it a game or is it not? And uh, it, it's. It's just, I it's so hard with thrillers because I don't want to give too much away. But Van Orton in in this movie he's just taking on this crazy why uh, crazy ride in which he eventually just becomes unsure of like whether he's in this game or not. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's I can't say much more about it, man. Just that I love this movie. Michael Douglas is stellar in this, and I just want to give a fun fact about it. So the guy who plays Nicholas Van Orton's father is named Charles Martinet. And he has also been the official voice actor for Mario since the 1990s. Yahoo! Wahoo! It's a me, a Mario! It's a me, a Mario! <laughs> so that's it. My number two movie is the game. All right. Number two for me is Death Proof. Ooh, yes. love Death Proof. That is such a good freaking movie. Came out in 2007, directed by the wonderful Quentin Tarantino, starring Kurt Russell, Zoe Bell. Rosario Dawson, Vanessa Ferlito, Tracy Toms, lots of others. Um, easily, to me, one of the most underrated and unknown Tarantino movies. And again, one of my all-time favorite films. 
Okay, you may remember that this movie was part of a double feature along with the Robert Rodriguez film yeah, called uh, Planet, Planet Terror. Terror. Yeah, Planet, I actually saw the, this in theaters. Yeah, with the lady that had the machine gun for a leg. Yeah, Rose McGowan. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but Death Proof was easily much better than um, than Planet Terror, in my opinion. And this film will probably be on my top ten car movies as well. Uh, and that's what this movie's about. It, it's about a guy named Stuntman Mike who drives a car that is virtually death-proof, only you have to be sitting in the driver's seat. <laughs> Otherwise, you're, you're fucked. <laughs> and uh, Stuntman Mike is, he's just this fucked-up guy who he stalks women, he takes them for joy rides, only to kill them in the end, at least until he meets Zoe, Abernathy, and Kim. And those girls kick his ass. <laughs> and it is one of the greatest scenes in a movie Ever, in, in my personal opinion. And if you can't tell, I, I love when a movie is based on women kicking the men's ass, just because those types of movies are, are a lot more rare. Um, but when you come across one, it's just like, hell yeah, ladies, fuck him up! <laughs> fuck him up! <laughs> also, the uh, the original Tarantino soundtrack in this movie is is amazing. Like, you don't... The, none of the songs in this movie are, are from, like, in, anybody famous or anything. It, Tarantino made all this music himself, like, or, or like, wrote it all and, and has his own, like, like sort of it? band. Yeah, composed it all. Yeah, exactly. So it's a completely original movies. Tarantino soundtrack, um, which, which is amazing. And then also the cars in this movie, including two death-proof cars, a 1970 Chevy Nova, a 1969 Dodge Charger. Then uh, some of the girls in the movie, uh, drive a 1970 Dodge Challenger and a 1973 Ford Mustang. Um, I also love Zoe Bell, who is one of my all-time favorites. She does all of her own stunts in this movie, making her the sexiest, most badass chick I've ever seen. Uh, and another little fun fact, this film was physically scratched instead of digitally stra- uh, scratched. To give it that dirty look and that dirty feel, you know, when yeah. you like, yeah, when you watch it, you can tell. Yeah. Um, did did Planet Terror kind of had a feel like that too? Yeah, right? probably. I well, because I think Tarantino like produced Planet Terror and helped okay. Robert Rodriguez with that movie. Um, but this is the only Tarantino film ever that happens in chronological order without any flashbacks. Um, and like, I don't, I don't even think there's chapters. I think there's like, I think it's just chapter one, chapter two. It's like right, just two yeah. halves. You know, like normally he's got like 10. The car or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, and then also, this is probably my favorite fun fact. The tank top worn in the movie by Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China is actually hanging on the wall in the bar scene in the background, <laughs> which is so cool. Because uh, I love Big Trouble in Little China, and we will be talking about that movie another time um, in an upcoming episode. Uh, there's just there's so many fun facts for this movie. I, I could I could honestly talk to this about this movie all day. So we're just gonna move on. Basically, unless you are death proof, I will kill you for not watching Death Proof. Okay, so go watch it. Wow, good one. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I like I like it. You I know liked it you know me. I'm all about the play on words and <laughs> stuff. All right, what's your number one thriller? My number one is Primal Fear. Uh, it's the uh, it, it's not gonna go on lawyer movies because I think it's more of a thriller than a, a, a lawyer movie. Mm-hmm. So it came out ni- uh, 1996. All right, I got the hiccups. If if these motherfuckers continue, we're gonna go to yours and we're gonna come back to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But uh, let's keep going. Uh, uh, 1996. <laughs> <laughs> 
is pissing me off. Man. This episode is going to be longer simply because he can't say the words because he keeps going. This is so great. It's directed by Gregory Hoblet and stars Richard Gere, Edward Norton, and Laura. Laura Linney. You need to go watch a thriller movie so maybe you can get the hiccups scared out of you. <laughs> so it's about a young man. I have talked about this this in an early episode, but uh, it, I still I'm going to go over a, a lot of the things that I mentioned anyway. It's about a young man named Aaron. He's charged with the murder of Archbishop Rushman. Now then big time lawyer Martin Vale, played by Richard, Richard Gere, decides to take on Aaron's defense pro bono. <laughs> This is so great. I, no, we're not even going to edit this out. No, it's cool. It's I don't cool. even care because, no, I love it because it's just like I think to, we get to hear it almost twice. To, just, to, the, to the audience, it just sounds like I'm like pausing, but uh, you can see me like going, yeah. <laughs> like going up and down. <laughs> all right. So, so all right. Uh, young, a young man named Aaron, played by Edward Norton, is charged with the murder of Archbishop Rushman. Okay? Then big-time lawyer Martin Vale played by Richard Gere, okay, he decides to take on Aaron's defense pro bono. He believes he has a great defense uh, for Aaron until a video surfaces that shows Aaron had good motive to murk the old fucking Marsh Bishop, or, uh, Marsh, Archbishop, okay? So, so, so Vale, played by Richard Gere, has Aaron analyzed by a psychiatrist. And during this analysis, another personality reveals itself in, in Aaron named Roy. Roy is the powerful and confident protector of the shy Aaron. And so then all of a sudden, Vale is like, whoa, hold up. We need to be able to plead. We can plead insanity and he'll be straight. But then he's like, oh, crap. We've already like, ins for whatever lawyer reasons, they, they, he can't reverse the, the plea. So he can't plead insanity. So Vale has to instead find a way to get this Roy carrot. God damn Oh, these hiccups, man. You got it, man. I'm getting through You're it. You're almost there. I love this movie, and it sucks. Like, I want to be able to just talk about it. You know? God, there it goes again. So, all right. So, Vale can't change the plea to insanity, right? So, Vale, vale has to find a way to get this Roy character to show himself in a way uh, that, could get, that, that could get Aaron let off. So, it's captivating uh, to, like, 10 out of 10 in terms of... Of, of being a, of being a captivating movie, Edward Norton gives a top ten performance in my opinion. I mean, like when I say that, I mean like top ten perf performances in all of moviedom, in my opinion. Yeah, Edward Norton is opinion. great. Yeah, He's and brilliant. I, I want to say this was like his first role, or like his first lead role, Much older movie, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah, it was nineteen ninety six. So, um. Please go see this. Like, and I know you haven't seen it. I'm going to show it to you. But people I've out heard, there, I've heard wonderful things about this film. So, yes, yeah. and and for and me, it, it might make my top ten Lauren movie. So we get to talk about it uh, again go. without Yay. hiccups. So hiccups. Uh, all right, I'll end it here. Fun fact about it, and you're gonna love this. Leonardo DiCaprio actually turned down the role of Aaron because he was too exhausted from a. A brutal, a brutal shooting schedule on what's eating Gil Gilbert Grape. I love what's eating Gilbert mm -hmm. Grape. That's a great movie. I, I don't. I I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I know you do too. But mm -hmm. I this I I couldn't see anyone other than Edward Norton playing this now. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Well, you heard it here first, Woo! folks. I Dalton's number one thriller movie, <laughs> I'm all fear. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna get to my number one, and uh, I'll try and make it quick. Um, it's The Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fan fucking fantastic film. Uh, it came out in 1991. 
directed by Jonathan Demme, Deem, Dem, I don't know, D-E-M-M-E, I don't know how to say that, uh, starring Jodie Foster, the wonderful Anthony Hopkins, Scott Glenn, Anthony Held, Frankie Faison, Faison, whatever, whatever, however you say these things, I don't know, <laughs> it's not like I have a podcast about movies or anything, so I don't know, <laughs> anyway, this is an absolute must-see classic thriller movie with the highest IMDb rating on my list at a whopping 8.6 out of 10, Dalton. 8.6. That's that's like that's really hard that's to like do. That's like 1.4 away from 10. I know, and like I that's got to be one of the highest ranks on IMDb total. All right. So For real. Obviously right there based on if you if you're like me and you base your uh, opinions on movies on what IMDb says, then um, you you know this is going to be a good one. So, anyway, it, the story follows a young FBI in training cadet, Jodie Foster, who is asked to go and talk to and ask for help from the already captured serial killer, Hannibal Lecter, in order to capture a different serial killer <laughs> who uh, skins his victims, wears their skin, and even eats it. Uh, that's really all there is to say about the plot of this movie. It is dark, it is twisted. And Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter is just sheer genius. Um, the the chase that Clarice, uh, Jodie Foster's character, that's her name, Clarice must go on to find the killer Buffalo Bill, takes the entire movie because the madman Lecter basically just keeps toying with her, and only gives her or only gives up enough information to make her just barely miss Bill and have to come back asking for more help. Um, the entire movie is just pure brilliance and if you like not knowing what will happen until the very last minute of the movie only to get your mind blown then this is definitely the movie for you okay this is a five-time oscar award winner for best picture best actor in a leading role best actress in a leading role best director and best writing screenplay based on a material previously produced or published so what do you think dalton i think it obviously a great film right I ate his kidney with some farva beans. Oh, God. <laughs> is that this movie or is it? Is hello, it like, Clarice. <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny. Like, a lot of people quote that. They're like, hello, Clarice. He actually never says, hello, Clarice. He says Clarice a lot. Like, Clarice. Oh, it's one of those. But he never goes, yeah. hello, Clarice. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like Luke, I am your father. It's yeah, like, he doesn't say that. No, he doesn't. He says, I am your father or something like I don't know. It yeah. doesn't matter. We'll talk about Star Wars on another episode. But. But you're, I've, I've, I've heard that as well, yeah. 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 You didn't even mention Ted Levine, though. Ted Levine's the one who plays Buffalo Bill. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's great in that movie, too. Yeah. Did you know, I, I was watching this YouTube video, like, I think just yesterday, man, where uh, it was talking about uh, famous serial killers or, or uh, it was something about serial killers. And because uh, I'm fascinated by that stuff. Yeah. And uh, uh, Buffalo Bill was based off of someone. Uh, it was it was two it was it was two brothers and one of them ended up uh, like dying and they thought it was the other brother but they couldn't prove it and they both had like a really messed up mom uh, who was like who who like shut them in the house and wouldn't let them go out and was convinced them that like they were the only pure people in the world and so anyway one of these brothers ends up passing away like dying and it was very obviously the brother brother but they couldn't prove it mm. that brother ends up growing up and just being a recluse in his house. And it ended up being revealed that he was uh, essentially using human remains, bones, and stuff to make 
like household items like a lampshade like Creepy. like his fucking spatula was like human bones and shit sorry to That's... get super dark but you're you're with us this far so you know it's like a in... foot bone right that he has a spatula <laughs> <laughs> i guess i guess um, it. and ultimately his goal when he got when they when they finally caught him he told them that his goal was to eventually make a a suit uh a skin suit of his mom so he could walk around as his mom that is and Fucking yeah. bizarre. I, maybe I should have given a little warning that we were going to get like kind of graphic there, but you know what? Uh, I think we're it's, all adults here and can take it. It's top ten thrillers, and yeah. we already have warning labels at the beginning of every so, episode. It's so. explicit. So right. um, anyway, yeah. That so Buffalo Bill was based off of that guy. That's cool. I didn't know that. That's that's really interesting. I wish you, that you knew a little bit more about who who it was, but and we'll we'll right, do a little like research the name or something. Yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. I don't remember that. That's either. okay. We'll, we'll I'll, it's going to make me go and do my own research now. I so. mean, it's not if you just say like it, just Google like. Who was Buffalo Bill based off of? And I'm sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say, though, uh, just uh, I have a couple more things about uh, Silence of the Lambs just to say, and then we're going to be done for the day. But um, I just wanted to say that uh, out of all the lists that I've made so far, picking a number one has never been easier. I knew <laughs> immediately going into making this list, Silence of the Lambs is going to be number one. Actually, dude, same, same here. Same here. Oh, for but not for uh, Silence of the Lambs, but for well, right with Primal Fear. Yeah, Primal Fear. Right. When uh, but when we get to uh, biography movies, I, that's another one that's yeah just easy. Yeah, that's gonna be easy too yeah. for me. Um, I also like I love this movie also because it led to several more Hannibal Lecter films and television shows, uh, including Hannibal, the movie and the TV show. <laughs> And uh, Red Dragon and a lot of others. And, yes, we get to see Anthony Hopkins play Hannibal Lecter even more. I love that. So, um, last little thing I was going to say, The Moth, uh, which uh, in the movie is it's shoved down the victim's throat. It's called a Death Sheed Hawk Moth. Okay, Charles. Yeah. So, But, however, the movie poster does not depict the actual natural pattern of that moth, but, in fact, depicts... Salvador Dali's Involuptus Morse, which is actually a picture of seven naked women made to look like a human skull. Although... Okay, why do I have a boner? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's, go on, uh, No, that's just... Um, I might need to find a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I make it out of boner. here alive. <laughs> uh, anyway... Um, so if you look, but if you do look up the Death Sheed Hawk Moth, it does actually have a skull-like shape just underneath its head, and they are actually really beautiful moths. So um, go 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 look up a, a Death Sheed Hawk Moth. They're they're really cool and they're huge. Anyway, that's it for me. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that. Sounds the lambs. I said that quote wrong earlier. It's, it's it's not I ate his kidney with some farva beans. It's like with a nice Chianti, right? Let me say that. I have. That's I don't great. know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Something, don't about, remember. something about Chianti, I think, a while. But I apologize, Charles. You yeah, want to wrap fine. it up? Uh, what What is uh, the next? We're, we're about to watch a movie that we're going to talk about on the next episode. What is that? We're going to be watching the movie Gremlins. Oh right, yeah. I haven't seen yes, it. Yes, yeah. So Dalton here somehow has a, the 
most deprived childhood I've ever heard hey, of. My childhood was straight, bro. Uh, no, <laughs> no, Gremlins was a. Uh, uh, you, you uh, it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like I got like twenty minutes. Whenever they started freaking out, I I was like, uh, uh-uh, I'm out. <laughs> I, 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 it's so understandable. I never went back to it. It's yeah. understandable. I'm but, an adult now and I can take it. But please yeah. hold me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll be okay. we'll be cuddling while we. I watch only have one Gremlins. Blanket. So that is the next movie we will be talking about okay. in the very next episode. The movie Gremlins, and, and it's going to lead into our top ten Christmas movies right, because yeah. that episode will be coming out uh, roughly around December twenty third, I believe. Yeah. So, Gremlins top ten Christmas movies, something to look forward to. I guarantee you, it's going to be a, a real, real treat. treat.